Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Ange, thanks so much for joining us ahead of the J-League season kickoff on Friday on Optus Hall. We cannot wait for that to begin. And I guess equally, you must be damn excited for the season to finally be getting underway. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, you know, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a fairly crazy year last year, and uh, no doubt, I think uh, by the end of it, we're all everyone was looking for a bit of a break um, uh, with everything that that had happened in the preceding sort of twelve months. Um, but yeah, now after you know, a good few weeks off, um, you know, about a three week sort of preseason, three and a half week preseason. Um, you know, we've been away in camp, and um, yeah, it's good to get the season started. It's going to be a fairly program to start with again but um, at least this year we've prepared for it rather than sort of last year when we we're kind of we're trying to make things up on the run yeah before we get into how you have prepared for this season I am interested in in what you did learn last year because everyone's gone through their interesting experiences what they've learned what they've had to adapt to how did you what was the biggest thing that got thrown your way that you you had to adapt to that you felt from from last year um the greatest challenge and i, and I you know I, I assume there might have been more than one yeah look i mean it was it was such i mean I, I, it's one of those where where i've said to a few people there was a lot of you know a lot of things that we encountered that we've never encountered before and um not 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 just in a football sense i guess in a in a world sense, and and it affected everyone's lives in such an encompassing way that um, trying to pull the threads on on what the actual learnings were, I'm not really sure. Like, if we ever go into that situation again, yeah, for sure. You know, if if, if ever the world goes into that sort of crisis again, then there, there are certain things you definitely do differently. But um, in terms of actual learnings for what you take forward. Um, I just think you've got to be really careful um, about, you know, adjusting things on the back of what didn't work last year, for instance, because um, like I said, it was such a unique set of circumstances that, that you know, I hope it never happens again. Well, it was a once in a lifetime or once in a generation thing for me. I've never been through it and I'm 55 years of age. So you kind of hope it doesn't happen for another 55 years sort of thing. But um so it's one you, you carefully look at. Uh, the, the, in terms of the on-field, we, we really struggled. Our game model struggled with the congestion fixturing, the, um, our ability to keep players healthy, our ability for players to recover. Um, you know, the rotation of players hurt our um, cohesiveness as a team. So kind of the game model, I'd, you know, we, we'd been successful with and I'd sort of, um, back just didn't work under those circumstances. We we found ourselves where we still playing well. We were still playing good football. We were still sort of hitting the benchmarks we want to hit, um, but there was no consistency in in results. There was no consistency in in the way we were able to put the team out um, because we just um, you know we just kept losing players for through injury, through fatigue, through you know so many different reasons and. Um, Yes, yeah, so, but am I going to change the game model because of 
what happened last year, I think that's that's where I think you can fall into a little bit of a trap. And with the the schedule last year, the catch up was really tricky for for well, probably every football club on the planet. Um, in in terms of the amount and. and as you say, injuries and, and whatnot spoiled off the back of that. How do you, um, particularly in a in a in a country where you know you have to get the message across in in a different way? How how does that change the situation a little bit? And how does that change going into this year, where the schedule is arguably going to be potentially just as busy? Well, yeah, it won't be. Like I think people don't really understand what we went through last year here in Japan. It, it was it was brutal. Um, they, you know, as opposed to other leagues around the world, they either sort of abbreviated their, their season or they sort of rescheduled certain things. We played a full season in four months. Yeah. We, we played every game. It was over 50 game. games, wasn't it? Correct. Yeah, yeah, in four months. And we had Champions League as well. So um, that, I mean, that's just taken to extreme. No other league around the world. I mean, the Korean League, the Chinese League, all the other leagues around here all sort of abbreviated their seasons. They, they cut down their league games. They, they had playoff systems. They had, um, you know, all different ways. Whereas here, they took the decision, which which is, you know, you kind of uh, understand why they did it, that they wanted to play every game if possible. And we ended up doing that. But... You know, it was just it was just too much. And like I said, with with the way we play our football, or I want us to play our football, it was it was uh, it was unfair on the players, to be honest, to to try and maintain those levels. Um, yeah, this year, yeah, we got a congested schedule, but it's 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 a lot more normal in that the season still runs over the the, the 10, 11 months. Uh, you got time to recover. Uh, you got time to. Um, sort of work your way through a season. Um, you know, if you do have a flat patch, there's an opportunity to bounce back. Whereas, you know, last year, was, there was no time to take a breather on anything. Once you got a little bit of a downward spiral, it was very hard to, to lift your back, way back up. So, um, so you know, the message for us this year is that, you know, we, we, we've done a really good pre-season in terms of getting the guys ready for, for what's going to be some challenging games and challenging schedule. But we kind of know that's a... You know, it's a three-month hit, but then there's still you know, plenty of the season to play after that. So it'll give us plenty of time to recover. Before we start looking at uh, the season ahead, just what is life like in Japan at the moment? The world focus, I guess, is a little bit on the Olympics and, and the mood and the capacity to do that. But even just in terms of being someone from overseas working in Japan, can you give us an insight as to what life is like there for you now? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, life's been pretty normal the whole time i mean we've, we've gone well we're currently under a state of emergency but that that that's it's sort of different to, to what the experience of people in australia have had and i guess in, in europe uh, uh in certain parts of europe where um you know we're, we're not really in lockdown i mean there's restrictions about sort of dining and, and being in public establishments after eight um in the evening and, and you know that's sort of uh, the main uh, part of the the uh, state of emergency at the moment but apart from that life is is normal um you know the, the biggest thing you notice here and i'd noticed that when i arrived four years ago is that you know mask wearing here is not you know it's not it's not a political statement it's not a you know a, a show of defiance it's, it's just part of their life here they were doing it been doing it for years particularly in the winter season uh to protect from flu and cold um they're just very respectful so the fact that mask wearing is such an important part of prevention in this I think it's helped the country enormously um, because people just follow it. Um, same with hygiene and sanitation. I mean, it's one of the, you know, it's such a you know, 
place that's focused on cleanliness anyway. Uh, I think those kind of things have helped. And, um, and certainly as a foreigner living here, we were, probably couldn't have picked a better place to, to sort of go through something like that because it it really has been um, a fairly normal um, you know, sort of existence uh, in, an, in a sort of strangely abnormal world. Um, the main, I guess, restriction is the inability to travel. And, and obviously, as a foreigner, that affects us more. Um, you know, we have we didn't go back to Australia this Christmas um, to see family and friends. So that's, you know, that's tough, especially my wife and the kids. And, um, you know, and in a football sense at the moment, we can't bring play, new players and new staff into the country. So they're the biggest challenges in, 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 in sort of living here as a foreigner is just that, that you know, the restrictions to, to travel, um, which again is not unique to here, but life in general, as I said, I think they've coped with it well. You know, I've got no doubt that, uh, you know, they'll go ahead with the Olympics and they'll be well run. I, I just, uh, knowing the mentality here um, and the way they do things, it'll, it'll, I think it'll run very, very well. And I think people will feel comfortable um, competing here and, and, uh, feel sort of safe competing here. I don't think any of those things are really an issue. Um, you know, who gets to see them um, in terms of spectators might be a bit bit different. Well, with the J-League, which is still, uh, that's post- potentially still behind closed doors as it stands right, right now. It's, yeah. yeah, it's 5,000 at the moment. Yeah. So we get 5,000 in. Um, that's under the state of emergency. Once that's lifted, that's due to be lifted on March the 7th, which you know, at the moment they're saying is likely because the numbers have come down. Um, after that, I think it's uh, 50% capacity of, of, of stadium, um, um, depending on people's age, club size. So we'll start with 5,000, which which is still you know something. I mean, that was the other part of football last year and and i know it's still happening in europe but people don't really understand that it. it's it, it is such a different game without supporters there um when you talk about um you know the the intensity of games and and particularly for teams that want to sort of play with intensity um, a lot of that gets generated by support you know when you're when you're at home and, and you're chasing a goal or you're putting pressure on a team and you've got you know 40 50,000 fans um behind you the opposition feeling you know at the moment it's it's still got that when it's you know that that sort of friendly feeling about it where you're mm-hmm. playing in, in a friendly game where players feel a little bit less pressure a little bit less uh, intensity and can cope with certain things so i guess yeah just having five thousand there i think it's still still you know makes it feel more real yeah to start so you mentioned uh, the getting people in so that obviously would have affected recruitment it's it means that uh, your new assistant john hutchinson still back in australia how did it impact your thought and your approach to recruitment um just having to balance those as you say once in a once in a generation or a career challenges well if, to be fair when i made the decisions the restrictions weren't on i mean they, they kind of um you know that sort of made I'd already appointed John and, and another, there's another lad I'm bringing in the conditioning um, part of the uh, backroom staff who I already appointed and, uh, and you know, we'd signed uh, Leo Chiara, who's a Brazilian centre forward. Um, all this happened in December and to be honest, they were all in the process of getting their visas and, um, you know, numbers sort of spiked up around Christmas and the government decided to shut things down. So we, we didn't know at the time um, when we made those decisions uh, um, that, you know, potentially we were going to be 
start the season with two staff members down and also potentially a couple of players down because we're still hoping to bring in one more foreigner. So, um, yeah, so that, that's made it tough. And, but to be fair, that's not just us. I mean, that's across mm. the league. There's, there's, you know, most clubs have signed at least one or two foreigners who they can't get in the country at the moment. Um, um, one of the clubs, Tokushima Virtus, uh, reported a Spanish coach who, again, he's... I assume he's conducting training sessions by Zoom, mate, because, um, yeah, he can't get in the country at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's affecting the whole league and we're all sort of hoping that those restrictions are eased fairly soon. By the way, how did you go uh, with Zoom training last year as opposed to um, getting on the park as often as you would like? I bet that was a bit of a different challenge. Yeah, no, no, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I, there are a whole range of things. that the whole, I'm still not really across the whole zoom thing we've 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 done well here yeah yeah well yeah but uh i mean i'll I'll, as trimmers will always tell me i'd struggle with the whole mobile phone concept of you know people being able to have access to you 24 7 now they want to see you 24 7 uh so that's added another layer which i'm not um entirely comfortable with but it's the way of the world and i guess um now that people have got comfortable doing things like in this manner i guess it'll continue the one thing i will never do and i'll and I couldn't cope with was um, homeschooling. One day was enough. And if it ever happens again that I'm going to homeschool my kids, I'll probably leave that. I cannot handle that. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, speaking of training, though, um, in that light, has it been business as usual with preseason for you? Has it been different? Yeah, if it has been normal, how has it been? Talk us through the last couple of weeks where you've been able to ramp up preparations for this season. Yeah, no, it's been it's been fairly normal. Um, yeah, I said the biggest challenge is we've been a couple of staff members down. Uh, with Hutch not here, obviously, and um, you know, no, he's frustrated. He's you know, he he so dearly wants to be involved. So having a couple of staff members down has, has been a bit of a challenge, and, and obviously not having a full complement of squad here. But aside from that, everything else has been normal. We we, we go away for preseason camp. Um, to sort of warmer climate um, down south, and we've done that again this year. And um, We've had, I think, four friendly games and, um, yeah, they've, they've all gone well. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with preseason. I think we're in, we're in decent physical shape, which is the main thing, I guess, coming out of it. Speaking of John as well, it must be, it's, it's obviously the third Australian you've brought in. Um, that must be, it must be nice to be able to, or, the ability to, to bring in, you know, the new generation of coaches as well. But what did you see in John that, that made him appeal to you as, as your next assistant? Well, just, you know, uh, uh, I guess from afar, just seeing him, um, you know, he's worked really hard for an opportunity. He's been being prepared to sort of make sacrifices in, you know, going overseas and and, and, and also, you know, he's, um, he's pretty uh, determined to make a career for himself. Um, you know, the, the, the reports I got back from people who'd worked with him were, were all very, very positive. Um, you know, I, I, the first conversation I ever had to him was when I spoke to him about the role. So it's not that I knew him or anything like that, but that's no different to anyone else sort of I've appointed before. And uh, yeah, I guess, uh, like I said, I'm in a position at the moment, um, you know, I've been for the last few years where I can have an influence over opportunities given to, to, to young Australian coaches. And, you know, I think for the most part, um, they all show a, a real um, sort of desire to, to, to learn and and I think those traits those Australian traits of determination to to carve out a career for themselves are good ones and um, you know I'm 
I'm looking forward to working with him. I think, uh, you know, I like working with new people and people that sort of don't know really well. And, uh, you know, looking forward to getting him in. Oh, just on that note, quickly, it must be nice to see that there is a bit of a growing cohort of Australians coaching overseas, which is something that, you know, maybe wasn't there three, four, five years ago, particularly now would say uh, Popper leading the way with um, with Harry. And unfortunately, Kevin Musket is, did lose his job, but he got that opportunity in the first place. That must be pleasing to see. Yeah, look, hopefully, um, yeah, more, more and more you know, Australian coaches get, get opportunities. Um, look, it's not easy. I mean, I, um, the reality of it is there's still, you know, there's still a massive stigma against, uh, you know, Australian coaches and, and where we come from and where we've coached. And I don't think that's that's changed or is necessarily going to change uh, very quickly. Um, you know, but the thing is with... I guess, like I said, those Australian traits that you know people like Kevin and Popper and, and Harry are prepared mm-hmm. to start wherever. You know, um, to me, um, when I look at someone like Popper and and Muskie, they they could definitely be coaching at a higher level um, in Europe, no doubt about it. I mean, I you know I've been pretty privileged that I've you know met most of you know some of the world's top coaches, and I can tell you that. For the most part, you come away underwhelmed, not not uh, really that um, impressed. Um, but obviously, uh, for us having uh, you know that that Australian passport uh, means that we've got to start at the bottom. And um, but yeah, you know, I know it's not going to deter the likes of you know, the guys you mentioned, Popper and, and Muskie. And I don't know that they'll they'll eventually work their way up. They've got the years ahead of them, and um, you know I'll, I'll be super pleased to see them one day coaching at the highest level. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now on to, on to challenges ahead or more immediately challenges ahead. And what can we see? What do we expect from Yokohama uh, at Marinos this season? Um, you, you mentioned some of the challenges you had with, you know, the, 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 the amount of games last year and implementing that style, but it'll be back bigger and better than ever this season starting this week. Yeah, yeah that's a plan. Uh, you know, we, we really want to sort of, you know, still be a team that kind of dominates games and, you know, scores goals. I mean, we are still the second highest scorers last year and, you know, I still believe that's your best avenue to success, um, you know, being as dominant and as threatening as possible in an attacking sense. And, um, you know, that's the way we sort of built the team. We have made a lot of changes from last year. Uh, we brought in a couple of players at the moment, um, Tomoki Iwata, who's uh, a, a young centre-back from Oita, uh, who's, you know, who, who I think will fit well into the way we want to play. Uh, we've signed uh, Albert, a left winger from um, a winger from uh, Brazil. Who, um, well, I know, unfortunately, he's picked up a bit of a niggle and he, he won't play the first couple of games. But you know, once he's up and running, will will be a real asset for us. And, and obviously, Leo Chiara, who, as I said, is a striker. We've signed. Um, um, we, once we get in, we'll, we'll, I'm sure help us. Um, you know, we've lost a bit of firepower from last year. Mm-hmm. Eriki has gone to China and uh, Junior Santos, who scored a few goals for us last year, um, has gone to San Freccio. So, um, 
but you know, I, I think for us, the most important thing is that we we try and you know get some consistency in our game and and hopefully uh, understand that um, you know for us to sort of get back to the levels we were um, twelve months ago is is just being a little bit more. Um, consistent in our in our performances and, and hopefully more consistent in you know in, in our in our team selection so that means you know having less sort of disruptions and injuries uh, to be fair I rotated the team probably too much last year which didn't help um, but it's the only way I knew to protect the players yeah. um, so so we're looking for a little bit more consistency this year in terms of the, the, those aspects that you do want to improve is is there an element of of a risk of actually almost what you said a bit earlier, not over-analyzing what happened last year because it was almost an anomaly and you're not almost trying to find that balance between the areas you want to improve, but knowing that this year actually might actually be different implementation to it? No doubt about it. I mean, you know, you you don't go through life with blinkers on. You kind of, you get shaped by your experiences and, and I'm old and wise enough to know that, you know, you don't dismiss anything, but there's just so much of last year that just didn't stack up for me in terms of, you know, taking forward to this year. Um, but there are other things that you think about that, you know, you, like I said, for us, we probably went too far in, in trying to play sort of a, 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 such a high intensity game in, in, in what's a, 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 was a really brutal schedule. And, and it's something that, you know, kind of looking at this year, just to scale back a little bit in the way, not in terms of the way we want to dominate games and particularly in possession, but just in the way we press and, and you know, how aggressive we are with that. Um, I'll tell you, I could have written a script of how Liverpool are going to go this year because... Um, hey, you brought that up, not me. Yeah, well, I mean, it's... it's And it's funny because people are sort of trying to... It doesn't need too much analysis, you know. Any team that tried to play that sort of football, that sort of high-intensity football, would, would suffer this under yeah. those circumstances. I mean, it's Southampton's another one that you know they they uh, all those teams. Wolves is another one, and it, there's two things that I've found were consistent with all those teams that really, you know, have have a big drop off. Is one they try and play a high-intensity game, particularly in a defensive sense, and the other thing is you look at the centre centre back pairings and and if They've had disruptions at centre back. Um, it's it's almost uh, a surefire way to, to not being able to deliver. So, yeah, for me going into this year, it's about just being a little bit smarter about the way we press and and, and understanding that you know there may be times in the game where it actually works in our favour to let teams have the ball a little bit and, and draw them out rather than you know just just being really super aggressive with what we do. I'm, I'm conscious of your time, but that's something I really want to um, just touch on a bit more because yeah, that's all right. um, I, got, I got a bit extra time. Mate, okay, so that's yeah, fine. no, because that's My absolutely life. that's absolutely um, fascinating because we've seen in a global sense that the most even even managers who are so um, committed to their principles like you are that they've had to adapt slightly just for the human toll that, 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 that this mm. last eighteen months has taken. And so, have you had the have you sort of taken in some of those trends to to help you with sort of how you do adapt your 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 style without changing your, your principles yeah absolutely i mean I, mainly because i mean it's not so much i saw what happened firsthand so it wasn't like i'm looking like in many respects they're following us in europe yeah, i could yeah, have told yeah, them yeah. what sort of what sort of happened and uh you know even even you know you look at pep and, and he's sort of admitted that he's trying to get his or he tried to get his team to start running less um, mm. understanding that you know you just can't can't maintain that it's humanly impossible the players you know they they can hit those levels. So, so even us last year, we were still the highest running team in the league. Um, 
but that sharpness and that ability to 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 really think clearly when you're under such stress all the time was gone. So the quality of our play dropped. So the physical it wasn't the players couldn't do it. They could do it physically, but it was a grind rather than anything, you know, than the spark you need to play the kind of football we want. So um yeah, I, I lived through it firsthand and I saw the toll it took on the players. And um, you know, I think from my perspective it was about saying, well, you know, I you can't punish players at that level in a physical sense and then also want them to dominate when you have the ball. So there's got to be a, a little bit of a balance in the way you do things. And that must be in a, in a coaching sense for you. And it, I guess it's another exciting challenge because it's something to um, deliver to the players um, in this environment as well. And I, and I know in the past you've spoken about the role that your, your translators play in that de- delivering of that message, but this is a unique new kind of situation to get that across. Would that be right? Yeah, it is. Um, but like everything else, it, it just comes down to sort of being really clear in, 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 in your approach. And um, as you said, I, I mean, I, I work for a translator here and he's he's, a, he's unbelievable. And, you know, he's got to know me really well. So he kind of knows the nuances of, of what I want done. But I don't really, I mean, you know, as people know, I don't, I'm not one for, for massive uh, communication in, on these kind of things. It's more about showing them and, and, and having a real conviction in, in what you say and, um, and getting them to understand it uh, in a physical sense with, with the way we train and the way we structure things in the training so that they can live through that experience and then live it out during games. So, so yeah, so it's... Um, it, it is it is unique, but I mean, that's the part of the game you love because it's constantly evolving. It constantly throws new challenges, and and um, you know that's that's the beauty of it. It's it's as I keep saying to people, it's 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 a living, breathing sort of thing. You know, football, it's not something you can. We all try to contain sometimes and want it to be perfect, but. It's a game of imperfections, and and that's that's why we love it. So you were watching Liverpool. As a, as a fan uh, from the other side of the planet, watching it going, oh, no, I, I, I know what's going to happen next. Yeah, you, yeah. I mean, like I said, it, it's weird. And, and and it's funny because then, you know, sort of even the whole five substitute rule, people were um, sort of going on about it. We had the five subs here, but what people don't realise is that five subs doesn't really help you because all five subs does is keep the intensity of games high because, you know, and so doesn't help teams that like you know they want to play high intensity and work on the attrition of oppositions because I mean I found that with us last year you know games where we were winning one nil usually we you know in a normal sense with three subs you know we could grind teams down in the last half hour they'd be fatigued and we'd, we'd run away with games and all of a sudden they're putting five subs on they're changing half their team so there was no fatigue and if anything we were getting you know, for, not fatigue, but we were having to sort of match those levels just to stay in the game. So um, even that doesn't really make a difference. It doesn't protect your players if you want to play that sort of game. It certainly does if you want to play a different type of game. So, yeah, so, you know, watching Liverpool. And, and like I said, the, the key things for, when you look at it is that, you know, obviously the kind of game they want, to, they want to play is almost impossible. And the injuries that they got, particularly to, to Van Dyke, and it wasn't just him, it Gomez went down. Um, the the lessons of and you know that's probably something they they would never even look at but they should have studied the Japanese league last year they would have seen that the top three teams probably ran less than most teams and the top three teams had less rotations in in defence than than the rest of the apart from the quality they obviously have Kawasaki mm-hmm. and and Nagoya and Gamba but 
their centre back pairings they never changed, um, um, and they never got injuries there, which you know was a bit of luck as well. But um, they're the kind of things you need to really be successful. Just while we're on uh, global football, because I know you, you, you know you, you would consume as much as you possibly can. What what is the football that you watch to uh, either enjoy, just to, or, or is everything always now? Um, you know, what can you glean from it? What are the global trends and that kind of thing? What what do you either switch off to watch or just watched for for you know part of this part of this all encompassing job? You know, I'm pretty good at just just watching football. I don't, I don't I very rarely will analyze football. If I if I analyze football, I'll, I'll probably uh, you know, I'll, I'll watch. I'll watch a replay. I'll watch it on my scout and sort of dissect the areas that I want to watch. But when I watch a game, I, I, most times I'm watching as a fan. So mm-hmm. you know, and I'll watch. I'll watch most of it. You know, the main reason I watch EPL is because I'm in a fantasy football league with my mates for the last twenty years, and <laughs> I don't like losing. So um, apart from that, um, so yes, yeah, so I, I still enjoy football. I still, you know, watch it as a spectator. Like I said, when I need to analyze something, if I see a team that I'm thinking, well. What are they doing? I'll I'll do that, you know, not when I'm watching it live. I'll do that sort of the work and, and, and sit there and analyze it. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, back to back to business. Um, what are you expecting from the J League this year? In that, and that's that sounds like a it's that it's a very sort of naff question, but given what you've said about, you know, we've seen how leagues have actually those who have adapted have swum and those who haven't have sunk. And um, what are you expecting this year to be uh, coming of the J League? I'll tell you, you're going to see a real interesting league this year because um, the other thing about last year that made it a little bit surreal was there was no relegation. So there were a lot of teams who, in my previous two years in in, in Japan, the J-League were very conservative. But last year, took some risks, um, you know, played more out from the back and played a more possession game, um, blooded a lot of young players. Um, there's four teams going down this year. That's not going to happen. You know, you're going to see some real... Some real battles, um, you know. Some some clubs will be fighting for for J one existence that um, will make things very very tough for for some of the more dominant teams in the league. So it's going to be a real interesting year. Um, you know, they've never had four go down before, so it's uh, um, there's quite a few um, clubs who could easily get sucked into that. One thing you know about the J League, it's a very even league. I mean, last year Kawasaki were outstanding and they ran away with it, but. There wasn't much difference between second place and, and, and the others in terms of uh, even points. And, and that's what you find, uh, you know, like, like I said, the fourth year is that is it's a very, very competitive even league. And, and with four teams going down, you're going to see every game is going to have an edge to it right right from the beginning. I think every team will, will be calling for every point. Um, there's still some teams that are going to be uh, very, very strong. I mean, Kawasaki, a, a fantastic team. And, you know, watching them in the Super Cup on the weekend, um, you know, they, they, again, they, they've strengthened this year and Gamba has certainly strengthened. Uh, Nagoya have bought some fantastic players to add to already a, a strong squad. Um, you know, there's going to be some real, some real, uh, some real key, uh, uh, key games and, and some tough challenges. You mentioned just on Nagoya, it was great to obviously see Mitch Langrak have uh, almost a, histo- well, a historic season last year. Great to see him and a couple of other Aussies um, really prominent in the competition. That that's that's well, that's exciting for us here at Optus Sport in particular as well. But it must be great to see uh, from your vantage point as well. Yeah, Mitch has done outstanding. Um, you know, he's um, he's really adapted to life. He, he looks happy. I mean, I've, I mean, I get to speak to him a little bit after games, and he's really you know happy with his life here and, and appreciates um, 
you know, the, the way I think the club's looked after him and he's responded with, with outstanding performances. Um, you know, having a goalkeeper of him, his quality certainly helps you in this league for sure. And, uh, um, yeah, he's done outstandingly well. And, um, you know, it's it's not an easy league. There's, you know, there's plenty of Aussies who sort of have come and gone uh, um, through the league without leaving too much of an impression. But, um, you know, uh, I think Josh Josh Kennedy was the first one who left an impression at, at that club. And now Mitch is definitely going to leave uh, a legacy once he's gone. He's already sort of been hailed as, as, as one of their greats. So he's uh, it's been fantastic to see him do well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, just before we end off, just I guess the obvious thing to ask is, um, I mean, I know what you will be aiming for this year, but what, but what are, um, what's given off the back of last year, where you know that was the defending title season. Um, how do you want to go back? What are you aiming for this year? What's what's par? What and beyond? Yeah, look, I mean, I, I start every season sort of the same. You know, you you don't know where you end up and where you could possibly end up. You don't want to put a limit on it. You don't want to put too much of a um, sort of pressure and expectations on people. But um, for me, it's still about the football. We just want to be, you know, we want to play football that excites our supporters. We want to score goals. We want to be a dominant team, uh, try and sort of, you know, hit certain marks that, that they like to see my teams and, and see where that takes us. It's a competitive league. We're not, we're not one of the big clubs I know that, you know, sometimes uh, there's a misconception about the club, but, you know, we're not one of the big spenders. We're not one of the massive clubs. But, um, you know, from my perspective, it's it's the key thing is the football. Is, uh, can we can we get more consistency, you know, dominate games, score goals, um, really excite the supporters and and build momentum on that. Where that takes us, um, as I said, uh, you know, I've, I've never started a season with any goals. Um, so uh, this year is no different. Um, I'm pretty sure that most people will enjoy our games. Well, thanks as always for your time. We just look forward to seeing everything that happens this year on Optus Sport and watching another, as you say, entertaining uh, season of football from Yokohama F. Marinos. Thanks, Dave. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.